You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Hey, friends. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 329. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a National Strength and Conditioning Association certified personal trainer. Today, I am thrilled to be talking with Meg Langston. She's a nutritional therapy practitioner, and she's brilliant and very thorough when it comes to nutrition protocols, lab testing, and supplements, specifically how they relate to digestion and proper hormone function. She also talks a lot about making these changes without falling into the trap of of disordered eating, which can be a big problem given our society and what in the world we live in and um, how our society views dieting and weight loss and all that stuff. So I've been following her on Instagram for quite some time, and I, I just love how she hits you with the hard facts. She talks a lot about nutrient deficiencies as well, which is very interesting to me, and especially when we're considering certain symptoms and how they connect to specific nutrient deficiencies. And a lot of women who have been dieting, chronic dieting, or trying to lose weight, um, have a lot of unexplained symptoms or digestive issues or hormone imbalances. I think a lot of women, especially after last year and even going into this year, it's like, you know, we've we've been under chronic stress for a really, really long time. And that can lead to a lot of issues, but can also lead to nutrient deficiencies. So today we're going to be answering your questions specifically about how to heal from chronic stress like how to actually do that, Uh, nutrient deficiencies, and long-withstanding digestive problems. Before we dive in, this podcast episode is here because of Element. It's getting warmer outside, and that means more sweating, especially during workouts. And if you are active and you follow a whole foods diet, you can likely benefit from electrolyte replacement. I know I have, and it's made a huge difference the last few months as I've been really intentional about replacing electrolytes on my workout days. So electrolytes are important because water absorption in your body is dependent upon the absorption of key electrolytes, specifically sodium, magnesium, and potassium. And you lose those electrolytes when you sweat and when you go to the bathroom. And then these electrolytes have to be replaced through diet and supplementation. And if you're following a whole foods diet, which a lot of us are, That's naturally low in sodium, and so you can be chronically deficient in electrolytes. And this can show up as dizziness, muscle cramps, headaches, fatigue, and sleep disturbances. So Element, that's Elementy, they make these grab-and-go electrolyte replacement packs. You just take a recharge pack and mix it up with 16 ounces of water and then just sip on that. Uh, there's no sugar, no gluten, no fillers, artificial ingredients, and it's paleo-friendly. This is actually really hard for me to find because uh, I've been in the you know endurance world for a really long time and worked in the running industry and in many running stores. And 
electrolyte supplements were always kind of full of junk. And so I never took it. And I ended up making my own, which was not efficient and actually not cost effective. And so now I just use Element. I've been using it on workout days and I I just feel so much better. I don't have the fatigue. I don't have the dizziness that I used to get when I would go from like sitting to standing post-workout. There's a brand new flavor, watermelon flavor. Just go get that and raspberry. Those two are the best flavors. And just as a tip, when you're drinking it, mix it in the 16 ounces of cool water with some some um, ice. And then if it starts to get a little too concentrated or salty at the end, just add a bit more water and sip on it as you need throughout the, the rest of the day. So I use it. I usually have to drink a lot of water after my workout. I mean, I sip on a little bit of water during my workout, but then I find that I'm mostly thirsty afterwards and I drink so I'm going to be drinking the water anyway. So I put, I obviously put the <laughs> recharge packet in the water and then sip on that with my post-workout meal. And if I have a little bit of extra saltiness at the bottom, I'll add just a little bit more water and then sip on that as needed um, until, you know, it's gone. So to grab a free sample pack of Element, go to drink lmnt.com slash wellfed. All you have to do is pay for shipping, which I believe is $5. You'll get to try all the different flavors except for watermelon just because that's brand new. So it's not included in the sample packs yet. That's drinklmnt.com slash wellfed. Click on get yours and then grab your uh, free sample pack. And then after you do the sample pack, do the value bundle. So go back to that link, drinklement.com slash wellfed. Then you can just buy three boxes and you'll get one for free. So that's the best value um, from here on out. Now let's bring on Meg. Meg is a nutritional therapy practitioner, a restorative wellness practitioner. She works with women to help restore their metabolic health in order to recover from hormone imbalances, missing periods, and digestive dysfunction. She believes the body talks back to symptoms. And through body literacy literacy and a first food approach, food first approach <laughs> or first food approach, uh, healing and feeling well can happen. So welcome, Meg. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. I Like I mentioned, I have been following you on Instagram for um, a little bit now. And I don't know what just, you know, I, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but when I am looking for people to interview, it's kind of hard to find good fits because so basically what I do is I stalk people for a while (laughs) because I want to see you know the kind of information that they put out I want to make sure that they're not like lose weight and like with that yeah it's just like so many like first it's like find people who are health oriented and who are talking you know and educated and then it's like let's make sure that um they're not completely wrapped up in diet culture, which is actually not easy. Um, not easy. And so I've been stalking you for a while and I don't, and sometimes I forget that I'm stalking people. So they'll just pop up in my newsfeed and I'm always enjoy your posts. And I was like, wait a second, we need to, I need to get her on the podcast. Like this would be, we would have a fun conversation. I feel like we have a lot in common. Um, and so I'm so glad that we were able to set something up and finally connect off <laughs> off of Instagram. So thank you so much for making the time to be here. I know you have a lot going on um, at like, you know, like everybody, but it's, it's hard to sometimes sit down and make the time for an hour conversation. So I'm, I'm really glad we get to do this. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I feel the same way. Anytime I get to connect with another woman who has the same heartbeat as I do for just 
change and health and just beyond health, it's it's always exciting because you're just like, you're like me. Mm-hmm. Let's connect and become best friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So before we dive into all the questions, because we, mm-hmm. we got a lot of great ones today. Obviously, chronic stress is a huge topic, as is hormone balances and digestion. And, and I think where your strengths are, are just, you have so many strengths, but nutrient deficiencies is really what I want to talk about today, too, because I see you talk a lot about like, I, you know, iron issues and stuff that I haven't really, mm-hmm. you know, been able to dive deep into. Um, talk to me a little bit about your experience with chronic stress and how that led to hormone imbalances and gut issues and how you really dug yourself out of those. Because you have a powerful story that I think I think many women can relate to in some way. Yeah. So I always, um, I've, you know, been on a couple podcasts. I've had the opportunity to do that lately. And I've been trying to think of like different ways I can tell my story. But the truth is, is that like, it really did start the same way. And I think a lot of women I'm in my 30s, I'm 32. And I think a lot of women in their, you know, uh, you know, upper 20s, 30s and beyond can kind of understand this just uh, process of how I became so chronically under stress and just really influenced, I would say by culture. And so I grew up as an athlete and in college, I decided not to play sports, soccer specifically. And I started to try to figure out, you know, what does health mean to me and how do I, you know, all of a sudden I was eating my normal meals of, you know, pasta and things like that. And I was putting on weight, but that's what I had always done as an athlete. And so through, you know, conversation with my dad, who's like the best of the best, um, he was just kind of like, Hey, that's, that's carbohydrates. And that was the first time I ever put together. Oh, like what I put in, in my body has a direct relationship, uh, to, um, potentially how I, I, how I can look and function and things like that. And so when my, uh, dad, you know, he, you know, nobody really knew other than like, Hey, when you're about to play in a soccer tournament, you know, go eat pasta, have a pasta party. That's kind of like all we really knew, which is really healthy, honestly. Um, you know, in college, I was trying to figure out, you know, how do I, fig- how do I feel comfortable in my own skin again? And, um, you know, the only resources I had were magazines, like it's 2007, you know, Facebook is kind of a thing, but definitely not for trying to figure out, you know, how it doesn't have all the health information that you get nowadays that you get bombarded with. And so I was looking through magazines, I was looking through, you know, uh, books that I would check out at the library and things like that. And everything that I saw that would tell me about health was defined by a body image. The women were shredded. They were really lean. They had abs. They um, just, you know, they did a lot. Like they were, you know, doing fasted cardio. They were um, eating kale salads at every meal. And I was like, okay, I can implement this. And I did for a little bit. And as I started to define my health by my body image, as you can imagine, um, it, everything just kind of overflow. So the stress bucket theory, right? If you've ever heard that theory, which I know you have, Noel, it's really just the, uh, the idea of our little stressors, uh, kind of, uh, filling up in this bucket and then overflowing. And mine happened to be always defined by my body image. And I developed an eating disorder, which, uh, and a, um, uh, disordered eating habits. And I really define those very differently because, I was purging with my eating disorder anytime I felt I felt like I ate something that diet culture deemed as like too much sugar or, um, you know, just not good or whatever, um, I would then purge. And then I stopped purging and I developed what I would say an eating, um, a disordered eating habits where I was really restrictive, yo-yo dieting and things like that. And so 
my biggest, you know, what really defines me as, as a woman and who I am as a practitioner and the imprint I want in this world was, I mean, I was really swept away by diet culture as I think most women have been. And I was defining my health by the way that my body looked. And I actually got pretty far. I was working really big shows uh, like the Arnold and um, the Olympia and which are like big bodybuilding shows. I was actually a sponsored athlete that got to fly around the world and do a bunch of different things to have abs. And what's so crazy is that once I realized, oh, I'm not getting my period. Like I know I'm not an anxious person, but I am chronically like worried. I'm so anxious all the time. I can't calm down. I don't want to, I don't want to have this relationship with food. I really want to be content. And there's lots of different factors that really started to shape, um, my confidence in becoming that woman that wanted that, which, you know, we can dive into, but as I started to become this person that really wanted to be influenced by health and not body image, I really wanted to shake up what I saw in diet culture where everything was defined on the way that you looked. And interesting enough, like I started to pursue health. I actually started to make those changes. I started to become aware of my period first and learn what fertility awareness method was and realize, hey, a period's actually a really great thing. I'd been told really young, like when you don't have a period, that means you're really lean and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, this is awesome. I do not have a period. I'm so lean. I was constantly complimented by women and girls and asked how to look the way, you know, the way that I did. And once I started pursuing health and my body put on weight and I was, you know, my body was trying to recover. I was dropped from labels. I wasn't asked to, was not, nobody wanted to follow me on social media talking about, you know, just eating healthy nutrient dense foods like they do now. And, um, and it really just shapes like my heart for like, as I know that you feel, it's just a, it's a, it's a true heartbreak to be like, gosh, this is crazy. I don't want anybody else to feel the way that I did because there's no way that we can keep up with this demand that diet culture has on our body and nor is it effective for the purpose that we have in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of my story. I mean, there's lots of things that are in between that and, you know, I had two miscarriages this last year and I, even then I'm dealing with, you know, chronic stress, um, and always, and I'm in this field, like it just because you're in the health industry does not mean that seasons of life don't come in and out that make it harder that you have to constantly be adjusting to. Um, but the important thing is, is that my heart and mind are content with pursuing health over the way my aesthetics look. And and that's where I think I'm able to recover and really um, bring value to the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, when you were just talking about your experience, I, I remember being in that space of like, Wow, being able to recognize, okay, I have a, I have a disorder. Like this is, this isn't correct. Like my perception of health is, is not correct. I can tell that I am putting way too much weight in body size and the way it looks and like, why, why is that? Okay. So how, how do I get out of it? And I didn't know how to get Mm -hmm. out of it. And I remember having such a horrible relationship with my body and always like, you know, picking it apart and hating it. And also having just a horrible relationship with food where I I felt like I couldn't break the cycle of the, you know, trying to manage my food, but then like, you know, 
overeating because I was under eating at night. And I just Mm -hmm. felt like I could never, I was like, okay, well, what do I need to do? I need to do more workbooks on emotional eating because I'm an emotional eater, but that was, you know, false. That's what diet culture Mm -hmm. says, right? When, when we're starving ourselves, it's emotional eating if you're overeating, Mm -hmm. which is a real thing, but it's also most, in most cases, it's not part of the problem when you're really overeating and binging because of dieting. Um, And I remember thinking and just sitting there and being like, I am never going to get out of this. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. like I've been trying to do this for years and I don't know a way out. And I think um, at some point you just have to like, unfortunately, for maybe for us, we had to get to rock bottom before we were able to say, all right, like there is no other option. (laughs) I can't like I can't keep doing this. And for me, I know it was like my physical pain and not being able to because you talked about purging. And one of the things that a lot of women do and they don't really, um, you know, they don't consider it to be an actual like disordered behavior is that they will try to work off what they eat constantly. Mm -hmm. So they'll eat and then they, you know, the, the idea is like, you need to work off your you know, cookie or whatever. And it's very mild early on, right? It's very, it's an Instagram-y little infographic where you see how many cookies equals how many burpees and how many, you know, what mile, you know, how many miles you have to run to work off your Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. Yeah. But that, that mindset can be carried into, wow, well, whatever I eat, I need to work off. And then you have this mm-hmm. disordered relationship all of a sudden appear with, I need to, food is now something that I have to reduce. And if I do eat it, I need to be working it off. And this is the way that most women live. And we have to like completely like flip our mindset um, upside down to be able to get out of that. And it takes a ton of work and it still, you know, lingers. It's not something that you can just um, flip overnight. I wish it was that easy, Meg, but it's not, you know, it takes years and years and sometimes rock bottom experiences to say, okay, like I have no other choice. I've got to figure out a way to, to, you know, change my relationship, trust my body and eat and eat some food. Um, and redefine, like there's, there's actual Instagram and a book redefining beauty, but I think there's mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. better way to actually describe it because as women, you know, we are just power horse horses. Like we have such, um, a unique calling on our lives that make us, just nurturers and able to see things in a different light, which is really powerful and beautiful. And when we get caught up by whoever defines beauty, which by the way, is usually marketing companies, supplement companies, like those are the people defining beauty. And when we recognize that, 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 that this, uh, this definition of beauty comes from a, uh, the idea of trying to get more money for these other people. And that's what we're, that's what we're living up to. And when we define beauty and in, in a way of like, and this is a lot of like, I know we're going to go through, you know, chronic stress. A lot of what I talk about is absolutely nutrient deficiencies, but also it's the reality that we are not put on this earth to just wake up and think about what we ate, to just wake up and do self objectification where we're pu- pulling up our shirt, looking, did we put on weight from last night? Am I, am I skinnier? Am I shredded? Like we have, we each have a mission on our life that is purposeful and and called to do something more, whether it's as powerful as running a fortune 500 or it's behind the scenes as 
putting together, you know, I don't know, uh, (laughs) internet plans. I don't even know what that means, but we all have this purpose that is really beautiful and unique to our calling. And that is actually what defines beauty, not our aesthetics. And it's okay to have, want to feel good in our own skin. And that's not a conversation that I'm, I'm ever ignoring, but in the same breath, the reality is, is that what's defining our young women and, and just women in general is marketing companies, supplement companies, and people mm-hmm. that are making money off of us not feeling good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's hard to, it really is hard to go against the grain, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, 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 everybody wants to fit in, but at, yeah. at some point you, and especially young girls. And I think that that's, that's when a lot of us get this first introduction into what should we look like, what is being praised, what is the ideal body shape and size, and we learn all that stuff. And then I feel like <laughs> we ta- we spend decades trying to unlearn it and get out of it, um, and and eventually it does take a little bit of caring more uh, caring less about what others think of you and more about like you said your purpose your calling um what god has for your life and the and not actually getting wrapped up in you know how i look (laughs) yeah how you look but also just these tiny little arbitrary things that yeah unfortunately like we put so much weight into but then you know we realize it really means nothing you know as you mm-hmm. as you move on in life you realize okay well i i got there and maybe you felt this way too meg but like i got there i achieved the thing i got to the weight and guess what i was still unhappy and i think yeah. that unfortunately you still you have to kind of go through some of those lessons sometimes you have to kind of like i said get to rock bottom or even achieve the thing that you've been trying to achieve, you've spent so much time trying to achieve, to realize that it doesn't bring you lasting happiness and comfort, mm-hmm. and and it's not the answer. And so, you know, it, it sucks and it's hard, but it's totally worth it in the end. And I, you know, I, I love... I love where I'm at now, obviously. I'm sure you do too, which is like... We can actually make choices for ourselves based on ourselves and what our body needs and what is important to us, not what isn't important to the world, but what's important to us, what's what's our calling and, you know, what we need in this moment. And a lot of this and this can be perfectly tied to stress because I think so. So many of the choices that we make when we are under um, or we're under the influence of diet culture is more stress on our body. So mm-hmm. um, talk to me about chronic stress, because I think we need to define this. Um, what is chronic stress and what exactly is happening to our physiology when mm-hmm. we are like under um, like an in a chronically stressed state? Everyone has used this example. I can't think of a better example to come up with. So I'm using the same one everyone else does. But chronic stress is basically your body responding as if it's in a fight or flight state. So running from a bear. If you're running from a bear, your body's not going to be focusing on doing things like digestion, mineral absorption, absorption and utilization, hormone and uh, balances and things like that. But Mark Hyman said this before. I think it was like, I don't know. It, 
I don't know when it was, but he said, if you really knew what was happening when you were stressed out, that would actually freak you out. So you would make changes if you really knew, um, you know, physiologically what was happening in your body. And the, the cascade of loss of minerals is, is the first thing to go. And I really come from a mineral perspective. The more schooling I've done, the more I really come back to how is our body getting the mineral and vitamins that we need and how are we utilizing it? Um, and, and that's really where I tend to stick to, but you know, there's a cascade of minerals, magnesium burn rate is, is something that was coined by Morley Robbins. And it's basically, um, your body burning through magnesium, which happens to be one of the most abundant minerals in the body. It runs over 3,751 <laughs> enzymatic functions, which basically means like how your body is operating. It's like the spark plugs or it's what makes your body work. These, this, uh, the enzymes are. And so when we are in this mineral dump, so we're, we're, what makes our body we're losing it. We're losing magnesium. We're losing B vitamins. We're losing zinc. We actually lose zinc. People will take like a blood serum test and they'll be like, I can't figure out why I'm low in zinc. Well, our liver will use up magnesium to a point where it will then start pulling on zinc and zinc will become low in our blood blood work. And zinc is needed for somebody asked questions about digestion. Zinc is really needed for digestion. That doesn't mean that we supplement, which we'll, I know we'll, we'll cover, but that doesn't mean we just blindly supplement. But it, it does mean that when we're in this fight or flight state where we're running from a bear, our, our body's appropriately responding by, by using these minerals to keep the body safe. But as a result, like I mentioned, digestion slows down. Like our ability to digest, digest takes a backseat. Our ability to absorb and utilize nutrients take a backseat. This is where inflammation happens. This is where something where I called you know, um, iron overload happens where iron dysregulation causes more inflammation and disruption in the body. Um, we, so many women are low in progesterone. Mm -hmm. Um, progesterone is one of the most, it's not just a pregnancy hormone. I think the best way to think of it as if you're, if you think of progesterone as a pregnancy hormone, you can think of, uh, it this way that, progesterone is so needed in a pregnancy because of its protective roles on the fetus in general and the body. Um, it, it, it is, it is literally a, a stress protector of the body and we are losing it as women, which keeps us having healthy periods, meaning no, uh, breast tenderness, um, no clotting, no mood swings, things like that. It actually supports progesterone supports our immune system. So our immune system takes a hit when we're in this constant state of stress. Part of that is actually because of our, our um, inability to make adequate amount of progesterone because our thymus gland is, uh, will, uh, it, it relies on progesterone in order to support the immune system. Um, our thyroid hormone <laughs> needs it. So all that to say is it's really easy to see that when we're in a chronic, uh, chronic state of stress, our body's losing minerals and vitamins. We are not absorbing and utilizing nutrients as a result. And the impact is digestive issues, hypothyroidism, um, you know, hair loss, um, mood swings and, and other symptoms like that. If you are struggling with stress, <laughs> me, uh, sleep issues, also me sometimes, uh, you're just living in 
the day and age that is 2021, uh, you likely can benefit from supplementing with magnesium. It is the number one mineral that I recommend just about everybody take because it is so critical. It's involved in over 600 chemical reactions in our bodies. And over 80% of the population is deficient in magnesium. And a lot of times a deficiency will creep up and show itself in other symptoms. And so by taking magnesium regularly and allowing your body to come to a sufficient magnesium status, so many things come back into balance and work and function properly. Magnesium also increases GABA, which encourages relaxation on a cellular level, and it is so critical for sleep. And because stress actually depletes magnesium, this also means magnesium is needed to support your stress response. Uh, I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough because it combines all seven essential forms of magnesium into one supplement. Um, I personally take it every night. I take two capsules and adjust accordingly to my stress um, and sleep. So sometimes I may take more than that. But in general, I just take two capsules every night and it has greatly improved the quality of my sleep. And um, I just feel like a sense of calm, a little bit more relaxed. Uh, I've definitely seen a huge shift over the years um, from taking what I know about what's needed for good sleep quality and stress reduction. And kind of, you know, putting that into practice. And I just feel like I'm such a different person. And so is my sleep from, you know, years ago when I when I was first having kids. So uh, magnesium breakthrough, it has all seven forms of magnesium, different forms of magnesium have different benefits. So I recommend having a getting a compound supplement like Magnesium Breakthrough. You can take um, 10% off with our coupon code. Visit magbreakthrough.com slash wellfed and enter our code wellfed10. Just buy, I think there's like an option to buy six at a cheap price. Just go ahead and do that. That's what I do, by the way. Um, I go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash wellfed and I uh, stock up for, for me and my husband. So magbreakthrough.com through again it's m-a-g-b-r-e-a-k-t-h-r-o-u-g-h.com forward slash wellfed use the coupon code wellfed10 so many of you have been saying so many good things about magnesium breakthrough so try it today and see if it works see how it helps they have a uh, money back guarantee and great customer service if you need help troubleshooting again our code is wellfed10 yeah, it's super interesting because it seems like, well, chronic stress is like a state of hyperdrive almost. Mm-hmm. And so you're burning a ton more and like you're using up those resources, mm-hmm. resources that you need for your body to properly function. And so when, when all these things are drained, it not only creates like short term issues like, okay, now we're having digestive problems, progesterone is low, all the things. But long term, that can add up to even more issues because like you're we're going to talk about in a little bit, nutrient deficiencies long term can cause even more downstream effects. So is stress. So talk to me about like some common forms of chronic stress that women may not think about, because I think that one of the things that a lot of people think about is stress is like more mental, like 
oh man, I'm so stressed. Like, you know, you see the person holding onto their temples, like, oh, I'm stressed, you know. And so we think that it's more mental, like it really impacts us, you know, we're, 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 we have a hard time concentrating and we're just overwhelmed and all the things. But that's not necessarily all that stress is. So talk to me about some, like, maybe some common forms of stress that you see in your practice that a lot of women may not think about. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, it's important to know that stress obviously can be physical and mental. And a lot of the work that I do one-on-one with my clients in the very beginning is actually talking through any, you know, staying within my scope of practice, but talking through any traumas, that they may have gone through, um, even their mom's birth. Like if you are a preemie, then you did not get the full download of bioavailable copper that your body needs. And copper runs almost every single enzyme except for four in the body, which is huge. So, I mean, you're already coming as a baby from a, um, you know, uh, a stressed out state. It's that stress bucket theory that I talked about earlier where it starts to add up. So, I mean, I'm, we're looking at your mom's pregnancy and, you know, this is not to make anybody feel like oh, I'm in this state of stress. There's nothing I can do. It is rare that uh, we are just coming out on this earth, with no stress. And we have the most perfect, you know, life ease and through it. We all know seasons come and go. And so we'll talk about that. I don't need to hear this and hear automatically all the things that are wrong with you, but it is important to understand that the stress does pile up and it does contribute to these symptoms that we're experiencing now and, and, and need help with. So we need to look at like past traumas. I mean, I think that's massive because if we are not working through our mental health, then we are, we are hanging, our body is hanging on to something that, um, we are just looking at as digestive issues. I mean, there's the gut brain connection, you know, where we can have, if we think about we're really nervous to give a speech and we have, uh, you know, maybe diarrhea, we can't stop going to the bathroom, things like that. It's the same thing. It's a, it's a stressor on our body, these past traumas. So that, I mean, even things like um, antibiotics use as a, often as a kid, medications. I mean, I have so many clients that um, have taken like Accutane or acne medications that they didn't realize is actually a, a stressor to the body. We so, I mean, I so often talk about this, but over exercising, yo-yo dieting, dieting for health. If you've been on a restrictive diet, diet for quote health, then that actually can be mineral deficiencies that you've unknowingly, uh, contributing to contributed to your body. That's causing stress, social media <laughs> comparison. No, um, not, <laughs> what? <laughs> Not having a bedtime. I One of the first Ooh. things I do with my clients is like, you need a bedtime. Like just as we would expect our kids to wind down for the day and, um, you know, they, we understand that their body needs, you know, a bath, a book, a song, whatever it is that they need a routine. Our bodies actually need the same. And in fact, probably a little bit more because we aren't just coloring all day and playing outside. Like we're, we're dealing with real life things. So, um, that again, a chronic stress is like not having an unwind time, not having boundaries, not scheduling in fun. This is the thing that you'll probably hear me talk about most often. And then obviously like, I mean, I love beauty counter. I know you love beauty counter, but that's the truth of, of, of when we have these, um, these toxins on our skin in our house, you know, 
it, 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 it just escalates the, the stressors that we're already feeling from our past traumas to our daily, you know, just seasons of life that have more demands on us and, and, and less and, and they all add up. And so when they're all adding up and this stress bucket is building, 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 this is where we see in symptoms, like I mentioned before, like fatigue, hypothyroidism, malabsorption, bloating, um, hair loss, uh, acne, um, your blood work is showing anemic or um, high inflammation, dysbiosis, meaning overgrowth of bad bacteria. So those, all those past stressors actually contribute into the symptoms that we are trying to recover from. What is inflammation and how does that show up on like a lab, on lab work or charts? Because I feel like we talk about, oh, this causes inflammation, yeah. but we actually don't even know what it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So um, inflammation, I would say, is um, the body rusting. <laughs> like it's the body's uh, inability to um, be in a relaxed state and optimize functional function function, optimize functionally. Yeah, that's the word. Um, and words are hard. Um, and so inflammation is a result of, I mean, I, 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 of stressors. It's, it's the body not being able to work properly. I don't know how else to like really clarify that, but we can see it of course. in you know, lab work, if you do a stool analysis, you can see it in like the kelp protectin level or mineral deficiencies that you see in blood work. Um, you know, high cholesterol, you know, Mm -hmm. all those things can mean inflammation. But I I really come from a point of believing that most people are walking around, if they're deficient with symptoms and and have symptoms, um, they're deficient and they have inflammation because the body's not working optimally. So that's, I don't know if that's really clear in what you were looking for, but yeah. Yeah. So lab markers that you're looking for, because I think a lot of people will wonder like, well, am I inflamed? Um, and so are there specific lab markers that you look for besides the mineral uh, deficiencies like C-reactive protein or anything like that? I actually, when you said um, cholesterol, it kind of, that's a, that's a huge marker that I think we don't, cons- some people don't consider as an inflammatory marker, but at its root, that's what it is, right? Our body mm-hmm. needs more cholesterol to take care of lesions and inflammation and problems and fat, fat and cholesterol is actually is a healing substrate. And so when yeah. that is elevated, that means that we are having, you know, more inflammation in our body. Um, and so a lot of times, you know, I think one of the big um, uh, misconceptions in, in health is that, oh, well, you got to reduce cholesterol, but our body makes more cholesterol when we're inflamed, not because we're taking in dietary cholesterol. Um, exactly. So that's really, really important. But do you look at anything else like C-reactive protein or anything like that? C-reactive po- protein, calprotectin on a stool analysis. That, But I, I do, and you know, if I don't hold a lot. I do lab work in my in my practice. I do mm-hmm. stool analysis. I do something called a full Monty. I do HTMA, but I never hold blood work to exactly uh, the end result of what's going on. The, everything is always a little bit of a roadmap to clarifying like, oh, okay, you know, this makes sense to, you know, ha- I don't know why this blood work is high, why cholesterol is high. But at the end of the day, you know, we are definitely all snowflakes. We are, we're unique, we're different, it's special. But what makes our body run is the same minerals and vitamins. So I don't get lost. I offer them. I think they can be useful at, 
um, you know, saying like, okay, let's quickly support, I don't know, the liver because we know cholesterol is really high. Let's kind of get the body to break down, you know, uh, cholesterol inflammation, but also cholesterol can be another site of iron overload. Iron, and this is such a hard a topic not to get lost in, but I'm of the belief that we are rarely low in iron, but in fact, we are iron overloaded. Our body has iron dysregulation going on because of mineral deficiencies. So iron is, you know, should be in the blood, right? And and just like a full thyroid where we now are, most of us, I mean, even, you know, soccer mom I sit next to next door is like, oh, I didn't get a full thyroid panel. It's amazing. Mm. So many people are understanding that yeah. there is not a full thyroid panel. But what we're not understanding always as practitioners is that there's not a full iron panel that people are doing. They're doing part of the picture, just like you would do TSH, T4. That's what they're, they're doing when they're doing hemoglobin or ferritin testing on a blood panel. They're not doing the full picture to see actually how is iron being utilized and absorbed in our body. And so contributing a, a huge contributing factor to inflammation is iron overload. Same thing with cholesterol iron getting stuck in the liver. So basically to break it down, when we have mineral deficiencies, specifically bioavailable copper, like beef liver, uh, you know, whole food, vitamin C, um, oysters, bee pollen, things that we may not necessarily be eating on a regular basis. When we don't have that bioavailable copper, then our cells can't release iron from the from the, the cells they don't have they don't have the enzyme this so there's like a little cell think of it like a little um like an escape room right and so the door is uh an enzyme that is run on bioavailable copper and so in, it's called ferroportin it's a ferroportin enzyme and so in order for that ferroportin enzyme to open up and let iron out into the bloodstream to be utilized we need bioavailable copper. But actually further than that, we actually need retinol. So we need beef liver, we need butter, we need um, heavy whipping cream, we need, uh, you know, dairy products, eggs, um, red meat, we need retinol. It's kind of like the mommy that pushes copper to where it needs to go into that cell. So when we don't have retinol in our body, then iron is getting stuck in our guts, in our uh, bone marrow macrophages and our liver. And we're seeing it. I'm tying it back to the cholesterol because we're actually seeing uh, a, a quote congested liver, which means bile flows not, you know, flowing the way that it should be. If you've done a full thyroid panel, you know that maybe you have a conversion issue from T4 to T3. That actually can all be contributing to uh, low vitamin D because the uh, cholesterol being converted into or magnesium is not converting cholesterol into vitamin D the way that it should be. That can actually all be contributing to the mineral deficiencies of retinol and copper and iron getting stuck in the liver. Just like when we see dysbiosis or overgrowth of bad bacteria, it's iron getting stuck in the tissues and feeding these pathogens um, to become opportunistic and, and, and overgrow and be problematic. Um, and so when I'm seeing, and, and to relate it back to the inflammation and just kind of a bigger scope or picture, although yes, we are all snowflakes and we have a unique story and we may have supplemented with different things that, um, we need to, you know, maybe look at and fix and whatever. Um, at the end of the day, if we were to just to take a food first approach and focus on these variety of foods, which we'll go into detail about, or I can go into detail about, but 
it, then we're going to reduce inflammation. So, and so that's why I don't get super lost in the weeds of you have high cholesterol, you have cal- your calprotectin is high, your C-reactive protein is high, your, you know, uh, you know, whatever lab result says, because we have to go back to eating these nutrient dense foods that are that are rich in the minerals and the vitamins that we need and that will reduce inflammation and these symptoms. Well, how did you how did you find the iron overload piece from like in your work and is there is there a way that you're able to detect that or know from somebody's like symptoms that they are dealing with like an iron overload problem? Yeah, I um so um I may get a lot of hate for saying this, but um, I read a post a couple years ago, um, almost two years ago now, about not supplementing with vitamin D. And they were saying, do not supplement with vitamin D. And I was so offended by that, that I decided to look into more information on it. And to my surprise, I wound up agreeing that I do not think that you should supplement with vitamin D. And the reason being is that it can um, it can impact absorption and utilization of retinol, vitamin A, the, the thing I keep talking about with copper and, and thyroid and things like that. And so um, that's how I found it. And the resources was there's um, a really good, you know, nutritional researcher called Morelli Robbins, and he's really kind of uh, collected over since the 30s different um, studies and of uh, endocrinologists and nutritional researchers and um, cardiologists and, and any doctor and medical professional that you can think of um, that have run these studies and really um, organized it well. So I actually went back to school and did different like ironology classes and um, you know, learned about minerals, looked, looked at it through a, a nutritional lens. And so that's that's how I first learned about it. Mm-hmm. And what I'm looking for when I'm seeing client is you can do a full Monty. And that's basically, like I said, it's, um, it's kind of like looking at a full thyroid panel and the different, there's, there's a couple different markers where you're looking at like your, uh, magnesium RBC, you're looking at, um, your, oh gosh, uh, zinc you're looking at bioavailable copper, you're looking at retinol status, you're looking at um, hemoglobin, TIBC. I mean, there's like seven or eight different markers. So if I can, we can, I can send them over to you. You can share them if you want. Um, but there's, it's doing a full Monty where you can kind of see where mineral deficiencies are becoming imbalanced. Um, ceruloplasm is one of them. Um, ceruloplasm is a, um, uh, an enzyme that moves iron appropriately in the body. And so that can be high or low, which can indicate different deficiencies and, and, and always basically iron overload. Um, it's hard not to be iron overload because if we think about it, birth control has iron in it. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, medications, uh, have iron oxide in it. So if you've taken any kind of conventional medicine, um, we have iron fortified foods growing up. So, pastas, cereals, you know, that has iron fortified foods in it, prenatals, multivitamins, um, you know, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of what else there is like, um, uh, a lot of supplements in the holistic field have iron in them. And so we're taking this iron, but what we're not taking is like beef liver or eating beef liver or, you know, we're not getting enough retinol in our diet. Like I mentioned butter, like that's still a thing that is really triggering for a lot of women that I ask them to do is, is eat better or eat, you know, um, 
heavy whipping cream. Can we, can we include that? Or they have digestive issues where they can't quite eat dairy. So we have to work on that before we bring that in. And this all leads to this, you know, deficient status and, um, and inflammation and iron overload and, and, and a lot of the symptoms that we experience. Does that Mm, make sense? Totally. Yep. Yeah. So let's talk about reducing stress because I think that you you probably have some really good tips about reducing the stress when it comes to mineral deficiencies because, of course, everybody just wants to grab a supplement because mm-hmm. that's so easy. But Elizabeth brought up a really good point in her question, and she said, we're always told to reduce stress, but oftentimes people aren't really sure how to do that. So, like... um She's she's saying, you know, what what are some some reasonable and cost effective things people can do to manage and reduce stress? Because, you know, even listening to this podcast, but listening to a lot of others, everybody's like, okay, reduce stress. But I think I think sometimes people don't even know how like what's causing them stress in the first place. So they have a hard time actually reducing stress or or they're unwilling to change because what they're doing is super comfortable or it's what they're used to. So this is the thing that they've done forever and so they don't want to change it. And so, you know, or it helps them cope, right? It's like a coping mechanism. So I think a lot of times reducing stress isn't like we're told to do yoga or take a bubble bath, but that's not actually solving the problem because the stress is much deeper. So what are some like in your face kind of like things that people can do um, to reduce stress, no matter what, you know, the causes actually the underlying yeah. causes. And, and I, and I, as a nutritional therapist, I obviously talk a lot about nutrition, but before I even talk about nutrition, I'm always talking about lifestyle with my clients. And it is, it is hard. If someone said to me, take a bubble bath, I would be like, that does not work. So I hate bubble baths. A- okay. I really do. Too. I, 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 what feels really good is going for a walk or sitting in my backyard with like mm-hmm. an iced tea. I like to watch my dogs run around. I like to watch my son playing and the, and I just feel really grateful. Like I, that, that's what de-stresses me. So keep in mind that like, it is going to be trial and error to figure out what de-stresses you, but it's actually something that you've got to do. That's got to be something that you have to figure out. And I'm, I'm hoping that I'm, I'm aware enough of this as my child, who's only, you know, the three in July as he grows that I'm aware enough to remember to, to help him learn these skills and it'll change. I mean, pr- prior to kids, I really loved, like, I, I, I have a strong faith. So I had, I really loved like my quiet time with like scripture open, um, you know, maybe my diffuser going music in the background. It's like, that doesn't happen for me. And it, it's not the reality that my current season is in because my husband's also in paramedic school. He's a firefighter and he is, uh, in call back in college. So like we see him not a lot. My, that's not my, my de-stressor. So I understand seasons are going to come and go. And I think that we have to figure out what de-stresses us through all that. But here's the first thing. Not be so long winded as I always am one schedule and fun. So one of the hardest things for me, when you, you tell me not to be stressed after two miscarriages, when I've been trying to get pregnant for a year, that is a deep heartbreak. And, and as a practitioner, it's hard for me to imagine um, you know, what did I do wrong? What do I need to do more of? But the truth is, is that chasing all these things, well, you know, obviously sticking to the foundations of, of balancing blood sugar. So eating enough food, eating protein, carbs, and fat at every meal, eating more foods with less labels are all really important. The idea of midst of a hardship and in the midst of healing or just life in general, we've got to schedule in fun. We've got to have fun. 
life is requires us as human to have humans to have a lot of endurance. We have to have a lot of endurance to just sustain life. And what endurance doesn't mean or to endure does not mean to grit our teeth and figure it out and get it done. It means that we've got to figure out a, not necessarily a balance because there's not really a balance in life, but we've got to figure out these practices that we have to implement. And to me, one of them that I always press my clients are, what do you do for fun? What do you do for fun? And when you're in a really low place, like I was after my miscarriages, it was really hard for me. I don't want to have fun. I want to cry. I feel sad. And although I let myself healthfully do that, I also figured out, okay, well, what's fun for me is, you know, doing X, Y, Z with my family and then going somewhere with my girlfriends. So scheduling and fun, that is a de-stressor that you need to incorporate that has nothing. It has everything to do with nutrition and absorption and utilization, but also nothing at all. Serving other people, um, again, not really coming from a nutritional point of view, but we are so self-focused so much of the time. And and even as moms, even as moms, when we think about diet culture and when we think about the way we look, the way we look to other people, it can be very self-focused. Yet we do a lot of um, selfless things, but it can also be self-focused. So I would say find uh, a way to give back. And everyone is different. You know, I I think about my friend who's super quiet and more of like a computer nerd. She would do better coming up with a program to help something else, somebody else out or financially giving where I'm more active. Like I want to, I want to put together a fundraiser. I want to show up at the food um, pantry or my other friend who loves animals. Like she's going to, she's going to shop at at an animal shelter. And again, that may seem hard to do in a state of healing, trying to figure out answers. But what happens when we switch our mentality, so self uh, focused on ourselves is we are actually community driven. And, and again, we may be more introverted in how we give, but we, we are more, we are put on this earth to give more than just take. And, and there's not a human I've ever met that hasn't given either financially on the back end, dropped off a meal, a card, whatever it was that did not get a burst of energy to pursue more in their own life. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's massive. And the other thing is appropriate boundaries. So I'm talking about giving, but I'm also talking about giving up, you know, appropriate boundaries. And that means, you know, saying no, putting up the boundaries to be able to give and be home, getting off social media, giving yourself a bedtime, waking up and getting movement in. And then, you know, I talked about bedtime being really important. And then again, nutritionally, if you even look at my Instagram or your Instagram or, you know, you do this, this is the truth. Like, more foods, less labels. Can you get can you get to know your local farmer? Do you have access to that? Um, can you eat a variety? Can you pick out a fun cookbook like uh, Sally Fallon's book? If you're like beef liver, scares the crap out of me. That sounds disgusting. Sally Fallon has a book called Nourishing Traditions where she incorporates some kind of crazy stuff, but also like beef liver meatballs, like stuff you can just, you know, not really taste and, you know, put some yummy pasta sauce on it. Um, so... Those are practical ways that I think that are not, that I think are actually very influential and de-stressing that aren't just, what do you have to do to not eat or what do you have to incorporate? I mean, these are lifestyle changes that as life comes up and down, which it will for every single person, these habitual things will allow you to sustain and endure well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just speak from my personal experience, too. Um, I think that the number one thing for me that reduces stress is getting sleep. So, you yeah. know, it, it, it's, it's a double edged sword where, so I, I have these foundational things, like you mentioned, like, like we've, you know, been talking about, but then also these high, higher end, like managing, how am I going to manage stress throughout my life long term? And what am I going to incorporate into my life so that it's less stressful and more about, like you said, serving, giving community so that I'm enjoying it and having fun. Um, because it's so yeah. easy, the way our society is set up right now, it's so easy to get self-focused, whether we see it or not. It's easy to be self-focused, to really hone in on our own experience, feel alone, feel like the whole world is against us. We get really, you know, just j the more we're, uh, especially the last year, the more we are home, the more we're on our computers, the more we're on social media. The more you're on Facebook, the more you're on Instagram, the more you lonely you get. You are sitting at home. You're not in your community. You're getting a false sense of community. And all you're doing is seeing other people argue, getting more angry at things and like calling it community, which I get it. There are benefits. But that's not a stress relieving lifestyle. Like if you're at home most of the time and you're you know, your main way of communicating with people is electronically, like that's not going to serve you long term. And I think we've gotten to this place as a society where we are more and more removed from community, more and more removed from each other, more and more removed from serving. And we are just more focused on our own situation, our own problems. And like, you know, we're sitting on the computer a lot of times. And I feel like not only is blue light and just the computer and all of that stressful, um, that also, you know, inhibits our sleep. And it's not like at the end, like, it's not fun at the end of the, your life. You can be like, man, I wish I spent more time on Facebook. Like, I don't think so. So yeah. I think recently for me, it's been understanding what foundational things I have, like, I have to sleep. And I have to go to bed earlier and I have to sleep in. And if that means that I don't get work done, that's fine. You know, what is what am I giving up? I'm giving up work and productivity. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, that fine. It displaces some of those things. And uh, sometimes I, you know, I don't put on makeup as much anymore because guess what? Like that's kind of painful sitting there, putting like get, taking a shower, putting on makeup. That takes a lot of time out of my day. And so I want to be able to spend like more time with my kids. And I don't want to like, sometimes things are a little bit, you know, hurt my back. So like, I have to look at my day and say, I don't really want to be in pain today. I want to enjoy the things that I'm doing. How can I do that in the best way? And I know that I need to make sure that I'm, you know, like sleeping really darn well, eating enough food. Like that's number two. My foundations are mm -hmm. eating enough food and sleeping well. And then being able to have do the things that I want to do and having the free space to do that. Now, it's unfortunate that you have to, like, give up some things sometimes to, to make time for that. And like you said, when you're initially trying to make those things happen, it doesn't seem fun. Like when you've when you've had a, had a marriage and you're really down in the depths and you're just like, I don't want to do anything. I can't even breathe, you know, correctly. Like I, I don't. And you're thinking about going out and doing something fun. It doesn't feel great in that moment. 
But the more you do it, the more you find, wow, I really needed that. That was a breath mm-hmm. of fresh air. You know, I needed that support. I needed that hug. I needed to um, go to the food pantry and see things outside of myself, see that there is a yeah. world out there who needs help and support and love. And I can I can actually be that to other people. I can serve. I can help other people. And and in this season of life for me in particular, it's been really an interesting phase because we've been really trying to get back into our church and um, we're putting on an event, which I've talked about on this podcast, and that's next weekend. And it's going to be a lot. It's a lot of time. And it's time away from, you know, the podcast. It's time away from me doing work on Instagram. But guess what? I'm a whole lot happier. You know, yeah. I, I, I love doing this work. Yes, this work is, it's going to take extra effort, but this work is way more fulfilling. Um, and I know it's something that I want to do. I want to be involved with the community. It's a cause that I'm passionate about. Like, I want, I, I don't want kids in my community to be hungry. So I think that sometimes initially when we look at these things, we think that's not stress relieving, but it is. And so yeah. it takes you know taking that step and saying I am going to do this like I'm going to I'm going to take a leap of faith and I know that I need to be more involved or I know I need to be more more you know involved in the community um so anyway, that's just a ramble, but I think some sometimes it's so hard for us to manage stress because we we can't define it but also it's hard to make changes. It's hard to shift what we're doing. It's hard to take that step of faith and say I'm going to try to have fun today. <laughs> Um, And it's hard to not feel good and do that. It's hard to have digestive issues and do that. And I understand mm. that. And I know you understand that. But the reality is, is that there is actually more giving to things that are when you practice. I think one of the best things you said were, where are my foundations at? So each individual Mm. has their foundations. My husband is, he needs a little bit of a quiet time. I would like to be around him on his hip 24 seven, talking (laughs) about every single feeling that I've ever felt in my entire life. He doesn't work that way. So I think it's like finding our, where our foundations are. And like, I'm similar to you where I need my sleep and then working in what we can from there. And, and again, I hear you. I feel you. I've been there when you are in the dumps and you don't feel good or you can't poop and you feel bloated and it's hard to talk to somebody. <laughs> like, I get that. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but I, I am telling you from a physiological perspective, which I don't think is all that matters, but, but it will actually promote the healing and the, uh, that we are, act, that we are talking about that may be more beneficial. And I'm stressing on it so much, pun intended, because of the fact that we as a society have missed this major piece, but we are really good at saying, get the raw carrot salad and get the beef liver and get whatever. In. Yes. And so right. although we focus on that, and those are true. And there are people that are not getting that. And then we're missing that. And we're not eating enough. And we're over-exercising. And, and all those things truly do matter. And they should be implemented. The part that we are now very much missing, especially as you mentioned, coming from the year that we are, is that we are alone more. We we have become self more self-absorbed and self-focused and, and, and in our own pain. And, and it's just, we're just not meant to live that way. And when we mm-hmm. step out of it in the discom- discomfort that it may cause many people, and even me, like I, I talk, as I already mentioned, within the miscarriage, but I did need that hug. I did need that conversation. And as a result, I felt healthy enough to keep the endurance that I needed and the consistency I needed to make the healthy choices. When I felt good and when I felt empowered and when I saw that my life meant more 
And, and not that you do, you never serve people because you feel it makes yourself feel better and you realize, oh, I don't have it that bad. But when you, because we're innately designed to give, when we give, it actually gives us this endurance as a person to be able to pursue and, con- and be consistent in the things that matter in our own life because we know that there's more going out there. And so, and that's really where my heart comes from mm-hmm. more than just like get in the beef liver and the, you know, which obviously is important too. <laughs> so, um, Stephanie, uh, you mentioned foods, um, to, you know, a diet that would help to reduce stress. So Stephanie asks, how should one eat to support lowering cortisol? And maybe if you could also just include in there why supplements are not the, why can you just not eat, uh, you know, kale and then, or whatever, I don't know what it yeah. is, three foods and then get your supplements for the rest of your nutrients. <laughs> yeah. The easiest thing that you can focus on is eating balanced meals. So protein, carb, and fat, or I would at least say as a woman, protein and carb. Um, But protein, carb, and fat would be ideal. Um, And so getting that in is going to help uh, lower cortisol because when we have blood sugar dysregulation, cortisol has to rise. So basically if if we're under eating or if we're just eating carbs, our blood sugar drops. And in order to rise our, uh, keep our, yeah, rise our blood sugar and keep our blood sugar stable throughout the day, cortisol, that stress hormones has to, uh, has to secrete, you know, turn on whatever to, in order to balance blood sugar back up. So that's why the best thing you can do to lower, uh, cortisol is balance your blood sugar, protein, carb, and fat. Um, I would say if you're already in a really stressful state, eating, eating easily digestible foods, in my perspective, this means really switching up your proteins, not just eating muscle meats. Um, so eating muscle meats, eating gelatin, eating fish, eating bone broth, eating um, uh, shellfish, all of those things have different um, healing components and vitamins and minerals that uh, will help de-stress the body and therefore lower cortisol. Uh, I'm a huge fan, if you follow me on Instagram, of carbohydrates. I am very much a fan for women. We are not small men. There was, oh gosh, what, the author of Roar said that. Stacey, I can't Stacey her last Sims. Name. Yeah, I just yes. interviewed her. Yeah. Oh my gosh. She says, we are not small men. I'm like, that's, a, you're, that's the most, you don't even, I'm not even going to, I have read her book, but I'm not yeah. going to read anymore because that's the best. Like, that's the truth. We are not small men. And so from my perspective, we absolutely need carbohydrates. And one of the things that happens is when we do have enough carbohydrates, or when we don't, our blood sugar drops. So that cortisol that I mentioned has to rise inappropriately and, um, and adrenaline becomes present. And when I talked about progesterone earlier in this episode, like progesterone receptors will not be, not be able to, um, transport progesterone. So we actually could show that we are, uh, uh, this is why we don't rely just on blood serum tests. We could show that we have enough progesterone, but if we're chronically under doing um, uh, carbs and low, low carb, low carb, our progesterone receptors may not be utilizing the progesterone that it needs to. So anyway, I would say get enough carbohydrates in. Um, to me, I think uh, root vegetables are really, uh, if you're already in a, a really sensitive state, root vegetables are easily digestible. Um, you know, kale or not kale, cauliflower has become everything. I don't know if you've seen that meme that says like, who has cauliflower? Like if it wants to be all these things, like we don't have to, we can have, we can have rice. We can have rice. We can have potatoes. Cauliflower doesn't have to be everything. And actually it's, it's sometimes even easier to digest when we, when we don't overdo these cruciferous vegetables. Mm. Um, the reason why I wouldn't, uh, supplement is because of the fact that 
Um, so magnesium, many people can do well with, but I don't jump to magnesium because if somebody is extremely depleted, they need be so hyperactive to the magnesium that it, it, it actually doesn't make them feel good. Um, I've had clients where I used to say, Oh, magnesium, everybody's depleted. Everybody basically needs it. And then I started noticing, Oh my gosh, my clients are super sensitive. They're starting to not feel good and we have to ease the body into it. So and I think that can take a professional to look at it. If you're like, I'm never going to spend money on a professional, then just focus on food first approaches. Every food, the earth comes with, uh, uh, our, uh, vitamins and minerals that are synergistically working together. So their body will, uh, utilize them perfectly. When we supplement outside of it, like zinc, if we're so trying to dose ourselves in zinc to protect our immune system, then we're actually depleting copper. And we talked about already how important copper is. So I wouldn't supplement to, to chase different things. I think sometimes herbal things can be helpful, like a tea, like ashwagandha tea. But again, you know, always stick to the food first approaches because, um, we don't want to, we don't want to work against ourselves either. And if it's, if you're not, um, able to do the back-end research or work with a practitioner, you will never be thrown off by eating a food-first approach. You know what I mean? Your mm-hmm. body will never be working against each other. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, because you were talking about hair tissue mineral analysis. I know that you do like GI maps and stuff like that. I have, I've had a lot of questions about, is the hair tissue mineral analysis accurate? And then Jody was asking too, how do you evaluate gut health at home? I think that we talk so much about gut health, but how do you actually know you have like good gut health? <laughs> yeah. So I would say the eight, just like any test, there's no perfect test. I don't rely solely on the GI map test. I don't, I already mentioned, don't look at just uh, blood serum tests. Uh, again, another perfect example is you may have quote normal thyroid labs, even in functional medicines, but uh, functional medicine standards. But if your thyroid cell receptors are not utilizing the thyroid hormone, well, you're still not going to feel good. Um, but anyway, all that to say is that, so no test is perfect and no test is going to perfectly diagnose you. It is always going back to the symptoms. And if you feel overwhelmed with where to diagnose yourself with, don't don't worry about it. Go back to eating the foundational stuff because again, although we all may be snowflakes, what makes our body run is um, is the same vitamins and minerals. I do think hair tissue mineral analysis or HTMAs can be very uh, useful in seeing like where mineral balances are um, balanced. So um, if somebody is really uh, high in zinc then I'm assuming that they've supplemented with zinc before. And that may, if I didn't remember to ask that question, I may say, oh, did you supplement with zinc? Uh, Okay, so it's going to take you a little bit longer to get that bioavailable copper up. Your bioavailable copper is really low, which makes sense on why your RBC, your uh, your magnesium RBC was low or your retinol was low or your zinc um, was really uh, low in your, uh, your blood work because, I'm sorry, not zinc, but, you know, copper was really low in your blood work. So that's kind of how I'm utilizing it. If you're looking for, if you can't spend the money on a GI map test and you want to see what's going on, like, do do I have, how do I know if I have good gut health? Like I would say, are you pooping every day? Is your poop look solid? Do you have stool or mucus in your stool? Uh, Not normal. Bloating, um, bad breath, um, you know, uh, white coated tongue, um, you know, even, um, deficiencies in general, we can see if we have white spots on our, um, on our nails, that's usually a zinc deficiency. Again, we don't go red and supplement zinc, but we can 
utilize different, uh, be more therapeutic on the foods that we choose for a short period of time. And so I would really say that most of the time, if you have a major symptom like fatigue, hypothyroidism, uh, like I said, even skin rashes, histamine issues, there's more than likely some kind of gut dysfunction going on because you're not absorbing and utilizing nutrients. Uh, if it's really bad, again, seek a one-on-one practitioner. If you feel like you're able to, you want to try to work on things at home, again, simply go back to the food first approach of eating more foods with less labels. So I'm not, I'm saying like no packaged, trying to eat less packaged foods and things like that. So what are you, because this is from Lizzie, what are your tips for managing IBS without just cutting everything out? I've seen hypnotherapy can help willing to try anything at this point. And she did say she tried cutting out gluten and actually felt like it got worse. So what Mm. if eating foods that don't have labels is like a lot of foods that don't have labels are still creating digestive problems? It's a good question. I I really would I really would try to work with a one-on-one practitioner because if there's specific pathogens that have become overgrown that are contributing to the IBS, there's different measures that we can take to eradicate it and it, you know, I, I if you're really feeling that bad from eating just you know, foods with no labels and I I would strongly suggest doing a GI map. With that said, if if that's just not you know, for a year from now, and you're like, I need to still work on something, then I would consider doing, you know, more foods that are easily digestible. So again, I'm not a fan of overdoing, you know, kale smoothies, raw kale kale smoothies and cauliflower for everything. I'm really a fan of um, root vegetables when we have a lot of digestive issues. They're easily digestible. They're very pro- uh, thyroid and, and metabolic system and the metabolic system is, is controls digestion. Um, so they're very, uh, supportive in how we digest our foods. So root vegetables, cooking our vegetables thoroughly can be really helpful. Um, again, switching up our proteins. So not just eating muscle meats, but eating organ meats, eating fish, shellfish, bone broth, Um, and, you know, gelatin and things like that can be very, very supportive as well. Um, if you, if you do well with rice, soaking rice a day before, um, Mm -hmm. can be really helpful. Uh, IBS, you're probably getting rid of a lot of minerals. So doing something like a trace mineral drops, it's like $12 on Amazon can replenish these nutrients or these minerals rather that you are, uh, most likely kind of depleting yourself at. Um, and then looking at stress, I know that's hard to hear, but um, stress, like gut-brain connection, can have a huge uh, role on uh, chronic IBS as well. I've had clients that um, actually, <laughs> I would love to say I did all these things, but they actually got a team around them. I helped them, and they also went to counseling, and that was really supportive for their IBS. Mm counseling supportive for IBS. What? Yeah, I know. And yeah, that's like, that's another foundation, guys, mental health. I feel like yeah. you, like, you got to talk through your problems. Even if you don't think you have them, you have them. Like, and you, we mm. all have things that I think, uh, one of the interviews I did, we did, they talked, I was with a therapist and he talked about micro traumas and then these big life traumas. Like trauma isn't just like, you know, I lost a parent tragically when I was, you know, four. It's it's like little things, too, that add up over time that um, kind of get stuck and and they impact us in our digestion and our health long term. And so being able to kind of 
manage that with a professional, I think is really profound. Also, Lizzie, and I think that one of the things that a lot of people have this misconception of is like IBS is just something that you have forever. And there is a root cause. Like it is an, uh, is a catch-all. It's like, there's a, that's a catch-all term. It's not, you, you do not have to suffer for your entire life. And so if you find a good practitioner and you're able to do a GI map test and deal with those overgrowths and do a SIBO test, because there's a huge connection between IBS Mm -hmm. and SIBO, like you can get better. So I know it's, it feels like you're just like at the end of your rope, but, um, there's so much that you like so much hope. Um, okay. Just like two more like rapid fire. Uh, I want to know your, your thoughts on green powders, because Mm. here's the thing you're talking about supplements and not, you know, whatever, but like, what about these green powders that have like all these nutrients and antioxidant extracts and all that kind of stuff. I, yeah. I mean, rapid fire, I'm not a fan of them. And if you look at the back of them, many of them have uh, different ingredients thrown in there, like azorbic acid, which is like a vitamin C. Azorbic acid depletes copper in the body. <laughs> so I'm not a fan of really, you know, any of that. I, there's no other more information I can really say other than they yeah. have usually additives and I'm not a fan. Sorry. Yeah, it's like high, high, well, really high volume of very specific nutrients that you, we don't know how it's throwing off. We don't know if you're actually utilizing it properly in the body and it's throwing off other things. Right. Right. Um, And this is from Shauna. She says, what are some strategies for gut recovery after antibiotics? So do you have like a probiotic that you recommend and what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, honestly, the the best thing I think that you can do is a spore-based probiotic. I think you can I think you, you can correct me in a while. I think you have to get Megaspore, which I personally love, um, from a practitioner, but just thrive, which is another spore based probiotic, meaning it could fight the terrain of the gut. And, um, it's very impactful for replenishing beneficial bacteria, um, that you can, I think you can just get on your own as a, uh, you know, somebody that is looking to improve their health. So I would say a spore based probiotic, either Megaspore or just thrive are the ones that I've seen on the market that I really like. Mm-hmm. I just switched to Megaspore just because I, we switch it up occasionally and my husband's mm-hmm. having some issues that we're trying to figure out. And um, it, you do have to get it through a practitioner. I just get it through Dr. Becky's like portal. I would not buy that on Amazon. Make sure that you are getting it from yeah. an, a, a distributor. That's that's really important. Um, last questions from Jessica. What is the root cause of low stomach acid and how to fix it as well as bloating gas? So what is the deal with um, like low stomach acid? Um, the, the easiest thing to say is a low metabolic state and stress. So anytime our body is stressed, remember we talked about earlier, we're running from a bear. Our body is going to lower its ability to digest food. Um, so lower stomach acid. Um, so again, looking at all the stressors, uh, you know, previously, but we also need, you know, histamine is not such a bad thing, guys. We talk about histamine as a really bad thing, but histamine actually supports digestion as well. And we need magnesium, we need zinc, all those things to help with uh, uh, breaking down our foods appropriately. So, um, so I, I forget the question, the low stomach acid is a contributing factor to a low metabolic state, meaning the body's inability to work optimally and function high, digest foods well, and so I will sometimes come in with therapeutic protocols uh, and um, sometimes come in with hydrochloric acid. That really is uh, a, a useful Band-Aid that can be helpful for some. I would really work with a practitioner if you're going to go any kind of supplemental route. But 
in general, magnesium, zinc, uh, not again, I'm talking all from foods, magnesium, zinc, um, uh, I think those, those are the main nutrients that support, uh, hydrochloric acid can be really helpful, um, mm-hmm. and addressing, addressing stress in general. I don't know if and I answered the question. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Stress suppresses stomach acid, hydrochloric acid to support it while you're working on the other underlying root causes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really fascinated about this iron stuff. So if somebody's like struggling with, um, like anemia or, you know, they've been supplementing and their iron is still low. Do you have resources that can help people figure out? Because iron is just an anemia is actually a pretty common problem. And I'm guessing that you're going to say that it's because iron, it's an iron overload and iron's not being released into the body due to yeah. co- copper. Is that, yeah. did I, I copper took my notes. Okay. Myself. Yeah, exactly. So I would say that uh, anemia is is typically uh, not an appropriate um, uh, diagnosis, and uh, it, it is more so iron dysregulation. And so, yeah. if you've been supplementing with iron, and I am I hate saying this, but it, it may have made the problem worse. Um, if you've not had a period because you've been a um, you know, have HA, that can be an issue, um, hypothalamic and anamenorrhea, because your body has a natural recycling iron system, which, which we as women um, have, uh, you know, menstruate through. And then um, in general, uh, we, our body is able to pull from the tissues and circulate iron, and that's how it should be. But when we've supplemented with iron, have taken iron um, and have iron dysregulation, we may show up low in the, in the blood work. And it's because it's getting stuck in the tissues. And when I say getting stuck, remember that ferroportin, that enzyme, that like little bouncer uh, of the escape room, he's not letting the iron get out the way that it should be. So we're seeing it stuck in the liver. We're seeing it stuck in um, the, uh, the gut. We're seeing it stuck in the uh, macrophages, uh, bone marrow, things like that. So in order to help you, what I would suggest is starting out with um, a, a really good source of retinol can be cod liver oil. My favorite brand is Rosetta little bit higher in monosaturated fat and so i think it's easier for the body to utilize it beef liver is really rich in vitamin a and copper beef pollen if you can tolerate that i'd start slow um but that can be really rich in by uh not only b vitamins but also bioavailable copper oysters and then your butter is rich in retinol red meat is rich in retinol uh gosh you know dairy eggs things like that that can be really beneficial Hmm. And do you have a like a post or resource that we can I can send people? Yes, to? many. Yeah. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. I'll link to those in the show notes because I feel like the iron thing. I was really listening closely, um, and I still need to go back and re-listen to what you said and and uh, read up on it because I think it's super interesting. A lot of women, like I said, deal with anemia and and issues with iron, and I know it's a problem in pregnancy too. And so it's yeah, more it's- about you know it actually getting into cells than it is supplementing more and more with it. So. And even in pregnancy, like sometimes it's sometimes it the markers aren't tested correctly because our body is releasing um, a good amount to the baby, which may may not be so unhealthy for the mom. And so there's it, it is, and you know, anytime you hear information like I've been there where I was really offended to not take vitamin D. I really believed, uh, you know, in certain things. So I would just encourage you to take this information, not let it stress you out. If you have the time, research it more. I'm sure if you're a practitioner, you're going to want all the information. Um, and again, I share a lot of information on my posts. Um, 
Uh, Morally Robbins is a really great uh, resource to root cause protocol where you guys can dive in more. He's done a great job of organizing, like I mentioned before, all the medical professionals and studies that have been done over since the 30s for you. So. Yeah. Yeah. Alternative options. That's the thing. When what you're doing isn't working, um, there are other options. And I think that's really the goal of of your work, Meg, as well as mine in this podcast is like, hey, there's another school of thought, too. There's other things going on. Let's talk about root causes and some of the intricacies of that, as opposed to like only believing there's like a one way, you know, one way to deal with X, which is you're deficient in this. Take this. Um, or, you know, you you have hypothyroidism. So take thyroid medication and that's it. You know, you don't look further. And mm-hmm. so I think I think that um alternative options should not stress you out. Don't go run and start making changes without actually sitting down, looking at some things and, and, you know, setting up. And I, Meg, you have so many great resources and um, we'll link to a lot of them in the show notes. And I was thinking you mentioned one other thing, whatever she, whatever Meg mentioned, I will link to in the show notes I was listening. And so there was, oh, the trace mineral drops. Um, mm-hmm. I actually have those and they're great. I took them at one point for a couple different things, but um, I'll link to those and anything else um, that she mentioned. So thank you, Meg, so much for being here. This was a, we went a little over, it was a lot going on, but I think our discussion was super interesting. And um, yeah, I so appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So for more from Meg, it's meglangston.com, correct? Correct. Yeah. meglangston.com. Follow her on Instagram. It's at meg underscore langston. And for more from me, you can go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. Thanks uh, for being here, guys. We will talk to you next week. 